Welcome back to Diamnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm one of your hosts, DM Celeste, aka Sea Witch. It's true, and that makes me DM Neil, aka Jolt Maniac. We're back. We're back for another super set. Here, here we are again. Another one. Another super set. And this gets very meta because this is entitled Throwback Time, but technically all of. Oh. The supersets are throwbacks, but this They're is a throwback, throwback to, a, to throwback. a throwback. Oh my god, Inception. This is an Inception throwback. Yeah, so before there was even the podcast segments or any of these things, there were some posts yes. on the forums that never got picked up to be discussed. So Whoa. this is one that is literally the first Diagnostics post mental exercise that ever happened. Oh my god! So it's literally just random names of magic magic items and then just seeing how that yeah. speaks to you. There's nothing. Literally wow. just a name and you have to figure out like what would you what would that magic item be in your world based on this name. This is very cool. I cannot wait to listen. Well then we should head to the exercise already in progress. Well I think that's smashing. Because the illustrious and amazing Whipstash is here today. Oh, well, thank you. And it's because you were a guest on an episode. And rather than bring you back on the one that was tied back to your episode, and that's episode number 88, Zero to Hero 2, I brought you back for an even more interesting one. And that is Diamnastics number 74, Throwback Time. Throwback. I always like throwbacks. And this throws it way, way back to essentially... The very beginning. Yeah, I was going to say, taking the essence of Diamnastics number one and redoing it. That's the best kind of throwback, if you ask me. Like The, the best kind of throwback, I think, are the ones where you, you take something that was fantastic and you like just change it up a little bit. You don't try and like do it exactly, right? Because then it's not original. There's got no flavor. But this time, this way, you know, you're taking the core of it and you're redoing it for a, for a new modern era. Definitely. And the basis of this one was really simple. And the beloved DM main price put it out there to essentially here are some names of magic items. What are they? Where are they? What do they do? So I took it and twisted it and took some magic items and used some random generator on the internet because that's the easiest way to make things in my mind and came up with different places that they are located. And then people had to talk about those. Such fun things as currently a tournament prize or currently found in a graveyard. Yeah, I don't know where you got this generator, but there are plenty of wonderful generators on the internet and we should take full advantage of them. Definitely. So as we like to do, Ryan, who did you want to highlight from the forums? So I think my favorite post was from DM John, DM underscore John on the forums. And the magic item that he chose was called Ataraxia. And basically he tied it to a gnome warlock. It's a magical circlet worn by Ansys, a gnome warlock. And she basically used it to give herself enough power to create her own tiny plane of existence. Apparently it took her 300 years, but then she finally made it. And uh, she went through the portal into her own plane of existence and then got trapped there. Hmm. 
which is a little bit sad. Maybe. I don't know. That was the part that really interested me is like you could use this in your game. Like there's this small plane of existence where this gnome warlock is hanging out by herself with all of her books. <laughs> and then like you show up and you're like, hey, we're here to rescue you. And she's like, hey, I don't want you to be here. I was enjoying my quiet and peace. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Perfect. I love that twist too, because it could be this epic campaign and the player, I mean, it's almost like it immediately made me think of Saving Private Ryan. Right. Yeah. Where they've literally gone through, I mean, and figuratively, but you could, given that it's a D&D campaign, it could be literally gone through hell and back to try and get this person. And they're like, well, I'm fine. I, yeah. No, thank, no, thank you. Thank you for your effort, but I'm going to just hang out here. Then you get the second half of the campaign where they have to figure out how to get out. I did want to pause for just a moment and highlight the wonderful post by Lemiel14N3 on the forums. He chose to talk about Alaka Slam, and in his post, he referenced the Oscar-nominated film Kazam, starring Shaquille O'Neal, and I can't pass up an opportunity to talk about mid-90s basketball movies, so um, good on you, Lemiel. Yep, that's the way to do it. What about you, Neil? Which one did you pick? So for my highlight, I wanted to talk about Lexurium and let's see, one, two, three, four, five. They took half of them and then talked about maybe coming back and taking the other half because there were 10 options on the forums. But the one that I really liked was Solar Song, and it's a beautiful golden harp for them. And it's a family heirloom for the Short Holt family. Wait a second. Let me see if my brain connected something. Okay. Is that something from like the Bard College episode or something? No. So it's actually a throwback to, or not a throwback, but an homage to Critical Role because Uh, the gnome bard in there, Scanlan Shorthalt, is. Oh, got it. So awesome. Well done, Luxurium. Oh, and their avatar is a creepy version of Matt Mercer as the DM. It all makes perfect sense now. But essentially, it's an amazing golden harp that has been passed down through generation after generation and can actually be used as the arcane focus for a bard. And so when they're playing the harp proficiently, it produces bright light in a 30 foot radius and more light beyond that. And it actually gives a plus through bonus against any saves made against the harp. Okay. It's just a really cool item. And I love the toss back to critical role now that I have found it. Yeah. Good on you. A nice, nice little head nod there. Yeah. Well, I think we have done it and you know what that means. I think it's time to hit them weights right now lifting weights is what i do look at me lift these weights okay so now the question is since they've all kind of been taken the item i think we should do is iquentin or iquentin maybe so uh mm-hmm. let's go there first of all what kind of item is it i want it to be big because okay. it's currently found in a graveyard so i want it to be something bigger big in actual size mm-hmm. so what if it's like actually the name of like a sepulcher Or like a family tomb or something, you know, where it's like just a one room, like eight by eight stone building. And this is actually the name of that building. Ooh, I like it. And then inside you've got like little urns or, you know, one or two like mummified bodies, corpses, something like that. What do you think? I like it because I almost think of like that underground too. Like you you have to go down a little bit into kind of the tomb area for the Equinton family. And that it's well guarded by the undead because there's the like family heirloom in the back. Right. Yes. That's great. I had this thought that like, what if there's something it's like not like a weapon or it's not something that like gives you a bonus, but what if instead there's something about this particular space or this particular 
crypt that allows information to be kept secret or like obfuscated in some way or you know i don't know something about like you have to be in this specific place to know something or to understand something or to i don't know read something i don't know i'm, I'm just spitballing but that's what that's where i'm going building off of that what if it was a place where the Quentin family for the longest time used some sort of magic to have secret meetings and the things that were talked about and occurred in those secret meetings were kept very secret because of like you said almost anti-divination magic or just somehow permanently hiding the information that happened in there and then it has then been used for nefarious or even legitimate means to keep things secret but those secrets still exist in that area if you can figure out how to get them out yeah there can be like centuries or even millennia of blackmail material on royal families and on nobles and on warlords and this is how the Quentin family like developed their wealth like they built their their whole sort of noble family on the back of this blackmail information yes i like it i really like that one yeah that's cool i mean because it's one of those things where it's it's neutral in right. and of itself, doing something like that has no implications one way or the other. It's what you do with it afterwards that could be questionable or still questionable. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I guess it's sort of the opposite of, but it reminds me a little bit of like the mind palace from Sherlock Holmes, you know, where he like, oh, yeah, goes into his mind and like digs through his files and is able to get information out but this is the opposite in that it is a literal physical place where you go and get secrets or information or you know mm -hmm. store information or whatever like that's pretty sweet that's awesome all right do we want to try and tackle another one real quick oh sure we got some time so the other one that i think we should tackle and i think it's been tackled some other times what really draws me to it is the currently found in okay. section so number eight Agris, currently found in the wrong hands I like that. I just really, I, I don't know. So for some reason, it's really evocative. And I like the idea of like, what is this thing? And how could it, a thing possibly fall into, quote, the wrong hands? Right. Your, I think, initial reaction to that phrase, like, in the wrong hands is, yeah, you automatically have this imagery of we have this really powerful thing and we don't want bad people to get a hold of it. But my instincts are always to like reject the initial impulse like the the normal mm -hmm. associations so i want to say that this just means like that it's a it's an item that is designed for a very specific person and somebody else has it and so mm -hmm. it's like okay. just literally the wrong hands for you know the sword or, or the i'm gonna say weapon because hands yeah, makes like me it. think about weapons yeah almost like in i don't want to i mean it doesn't have to be this example but this example to kind of like help us along would be essentially like someone evil using a holy avenger yeah, right. But yeah, and so it's like maybe you have this anti-paladin who is, you know, serving Lolth or something like that and they come across this weapon and like the the weapon is designed to be used by right, like only lawful good characters or something like that, but this anti-paladin is like screw the alignment system. I think it sucks. I'm going to use it anyway. Yep. And essentially spitefully knowing that it's not in the hands of someone good, that it could even do, you know, do more good than evil, if you would. Right. And he's maybe not even getting like maybe he's getting less benefit even from it than he would be if he were of a different alignment. If it's in the hands of a lawful good person, it's plus three plus three. But since he's using it, it's actually plus one. Like mm -hmm. he's not using it properly, but the right, the, the sort of out of spite nature of his task he's willing to to sacrifice that benefit for it 
Mm-hmm. And I could almost see dipping into you know, more of the RP side of this idea, because you, know, you have the mechanical perspective, exactly like you said, where you lose bonuses. But the RP side of what you know, what if this person using it for this extended period of time was essentially twisting it and making it more evil by their use and their worship to Loth, as you know, as our example, and then it would have to be almost this like redemption story for this weapon that the paladin in your group now has because you could almost let them have a holy avenger earlier in a campaign because of the things that they'll need to do to get it to like back to true holy avenger status right for sure no that's great i think that's really cool and i think that you could in some sense right have this uh you know if you wanted to like dig into some of the rp you know not just thinking about this anti-paladin as like the the big bad in your campaign or whatever but like some of his backstory too has this tug of war between his will and the sword's will at the same time right mm-hmm. so he's mm-hmm. he's using this sword because he is like in spite of the god who blessed it or whatever but because the sword is in and of itself like blessed by the god it's rubbing off on him as much as he's rubbing off on it interesting i like it i like that one a lot and we got a few more minutes if we wanted to crank out another one super right. fast. Yeah, let's we'll do some rapid. We're going high reps, lightweight today. So we're you know Done. we're trying to we're trying to get that burn. All right. Yeah, I like it. Rapid fire. Um, throwing it back to uh, magic item review. How about the moon boat? Yeah, number five moon boat currently on display in a museum. All right, currently on display in a museum is the moon boat. What's your first image or thought or where do you? automatically go so that it had been used in like a battle and then it because it's legitimately like a museum piece now i think it's still completely functional and maybe it gets stolen okay fantastic so this this boat and this is obviously the the plot hook for our party they're Mm -hmm. being brought in to figure out how in the world did this giant boat get taken out of our museum and why would somebody want to take it in the first place the museum owners obviously don't know that it has magical properties they just have it because it was part of this important naval battle or or maybe not a battle maybe it was maybe it was like the boat that somebody you know circumnavigated the globe in or you know mm-hmm. somebody discovered an important island in or something like that but they don't know that it has magical properties and you would imagine then easy to weave in is the idea that this boat has the ability to teleport from place to place the players wouldn't be able to get that information from the museum people yeah. because they don't know that but oh, i like it uh, i was also thinking of um it having possibly the like leoman's tiny hut kind of magic as well okay but no one knew about that either so it's like how did this get out of here and it's because some person had found like ancient tomes about how to properly use the moon boat so what is the name right it's called the moon boat what's that why is it called the moon boat Ooh, what if we could only have those magical properties in the moonlight? But most okay. people thought it was called the moonboat because of its shape and color. Okay. So then it mimics like um, almost a... Looks a little bit like a crescent moon or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then, okay, I like that. And then, uh, so maybe maybe it has the ability to teleport in a full moon and it has the ability to shrink down in a new moon or something like that. Like yeah. different phases of the moon cause it to give it, give it different properties. I like it. Let's see. One more. Here we go. Quick. All right. Quick, quick fire. Let's do the Shadowfall cage. Currently in scattered pieces. So the Shadowfall cage is, I mean, cage is like an interesting, 
like there's not a whole lot of cages in D&D, right? That's yeah. not like a that's not a common item, but I really like it. I think the Shadowfall is the name of a of a place or of a keep or something like that. You know, it's a proper name. This cage once belonged in this particular place. But why is it in pieces? What happened there? So then I thought about the Shadowfall and then associating it with Cage was that it had been used to hold a good deity in the world. Oh. And it was a specific place in the Shadowfall in this cage. And then it was blown apart once they were finally freed and then separated thinking that that would help keep it from being used again against someone else. All right, and so now you've got sort of your campaigns, BBEG as they call them, trying to collect all these pieces back together on the behest of some evil deity because they're going to try and imprison one of the good deities once again. Mm -hmm. And then the twist I had thought was they figure out that it's, it's not something that has to be used against someone that's good. It can just be used to cage someone even at that level of deity. So then okay. the BBEG could get it all together and then the players figure out how to use it against them and nice. then that, that could be the, fi the final twist. Yeah, obviously this bad person is just way too powerful for the party to defeat. But yeah, they, they're able to get this bit of super important information. I don't know how you, I mean, that's that's always a trick, right? As a GM is like, yep. there's information that the party can get, but this person who is more powerful than them doesn't have. Like, how do you how do you find that delicate balance? That's a needle to thread, but I think that's an interesting, an interesting mm -hmm. tack for sure. Yep. You guys can figure that out. We'll just <laughs> give you the ideas. Right. Good job. Awesome. Well, I think we have done it, sir. We've done it once again. Did you like that? Did you enjoy hearing about random magic items? Of course you did. Everyone Yay. does. So if you did mm -hmm. like it and you went ahead to your podcatcher of choice, you should. And then you should leave a review. And then when you're done leaving a review, you should go tell a friend. Done. Mm -hmm. Done. Yeah. And of course, if you want to tell us personally how much you loved this episode, this, you know, inception episode, you can always reach us, reach us via email at dmnastics at gmail.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at dmnastics, uh, Neil at Jotemoniac or me at C. Conowich. And for everything else on the network, you can always visit blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. And of course, if you want to tell the bards over on Bombarded whether or not your top is still spinning, you can always do that by <laughs> looking them up with BombardCast or going to BombardedCast.com. With that, we will turn out the lights and head out of the gym. Before we go, I want to implore you, the listeners, to join the forums, the Discord, Twitter, anywhere else you can find us and take part in these challenges, exercises, and the other amazing conversations being had. And as always, to do that, you can head over to dungeonmasterball.freeforums.net and try some gymnastics so your players don't ask, do you even live?